right. Hey, City Church, how's everybody doing? Great to have you guys with us online and a couple of our folks here in-house. Thank you guys for leading us in worship. Um, if you're a guest with us here, uh, welcome. My name is Keith Dollar. I'm the lead pastor here at City Church and uh, delighted to, to be here with you guys. Um, we are doing a series right now called Jesus is Better. And uh, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn there to Hebrews chapter 12. All right, let me see. Let me see that real quick. Oh, here we go. Just a sec. All right, make sure you're connected to the source. Thank you. There we go. Hebrews chapter 12. Go ahead and turn there. And uh, Lord willing, at the end of the service, I'd like to create some space to have some discussion with you all. Um, And so I'm going to try to not preach too long um, during the service. And uh, hopefully I can... Leave some space for you all to, to share some input at the end there. Um, the past couple of weeks, we've been looking at Hebrews 11, which is titled the, the faith chapter. And it is it has the emphasis on it describes what faith is. It gives us a definition at the beginning of Hebrews 11. And then it, it verse 6, it gives us the necessity for faith. And then throughout the chapter in Hebrews 11, the author unpacks and demonstrates for us what biblical faith looks like. And all throughout the book of Hebrews, the author of Hebrews is calling the people of God to persevere in the faith. As we look back at Hebrews chapter 3, we see this call to endurance, to exhort one another daily, lest anyone be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin, or or beware lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief departing from the living God. And so the author of Hebrews puts the spotlight on Jesus and calls the people of God to focus in on Jesus and persevere in faith. And in Hebrews 11, the author unpacks Old Testament saints. He gives us examples of Old Testament saints who ran the race set before them, so to speak. Let me turn this camera here just a little bit. All right. Is that better? Can you guys see the screen there? All right. And so in Hebrews 11, starting in um, verse 39, I just want to look at this last little section here. Because in Hebrews 11, he sets up what he's going to say and exhort the people of God to in Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 12. This He says, uh, verse 39, I'm sorry. All these, th- th- though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised since God had provided something better for us that apart from us, they should not be made perfect. Okay? And so the, the, the author uh, has been describing God at work through people, through people of faith, and then he brings the present Christians 
into the story. And, and then he exhorts them. He exhorts them in verse 1. He says, therefore, and so when you see a therefore in the Bible, as we, all, we often say, you want to look back to see what it's there for. So it's connecting it to what he has just said in chapter 11 and then, of course, with the rest of the book. He says, therefore, since we are surrounded by so a great cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely to us. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. And all God's people said, Amen. And so let's just start first with this. This first verse here, um, verse 12, and it says, Therefore, since we're surrounded by so a great cloud of witnesses, who are these great clouds of this? Who is this great cloud of witnesses that the author is talking about? Back to Hebrews chapter 11. He's talking about Abel, Enoch, Noah, Abraham, Sarah, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, Moses, Rahab, Gideon, Barak, Samson, Japheth. Um, David, Samuel, these are the people that he just mentioned, people who were people of faith, who were faithful, who entered into the race and entered into God's story by faith, and God worked through them. And I love, as I pointed out last week, that, that the, the Bible also records these same people of faith, records their flaws and their failures as well, which is an affirmation to the authenticity of the Bible. And it's also a reminder for us that God and his son Jesus is the hero of the Bible, not necessarily these guys in, in Hebrews. And, and so the author points us to these people who've gone before us. This is the great cloud of witnesses, okay? And in the Bible, when, it, when the Bible talks about witnesses, there's, there's kind of two senses that, that when wit, the word witness is used. One is they see something, right? They see something that happens, and they, they speak of something, okay? So they see something, and they speak of something. And here, these witnesses, through Scripture, speak to us. They are a great cloud of witnesses that speak to us about running the race of faith. Okay? And, and praise God that the, the scripture records not only their triumphs, but also their, their bloopers, their failures as well. Because we're encouraged by their examples, through their examples, that God uses flawed, broken people with weaknesses to work, work his good plans and purposes. Amen? So we're surrounded by these so great cloud of witnesses who have gone before us. And in Hebrews chapter 6, we're told to imitate those who through faith and patience inherit the promises, right? Okay, I like to think of, think of these, these, um, these little clips, these short little snippets of people. Think of them kind of like short little YouTube clips. Somebody said last week, uh, what does faith look like? Okay, well, Hebrews 11 unpacks for us what faith looks like. It defines it, and then it gives us descriptions and demonstrations of what 
faith looks like in each one of these individuals. And just think of, think of these little, if, if these were put into little short YouTube clips, this is what faith would look like. Okay, uh, for Moses leaving Egypt, for for Abraham leaving his home country and and following God and believing God that he would have many descendants. Okay, and so just picture these in your mind as little YouTube clips of of people of faith who walked with God. Okay, here's our big big idea this morning: the Christian life is like a long distance race that requires one to remove hindrances, run with endurance. And keep focused on Jesus. The Christian life is like a long distance race that requires one to remove hindrances, run with endurance, and keep focused on Jesus. The first thing is that I want to point out is the idea that the author calls us to is to lay aside every weight and every sin that so easily ensnares us so in light of those who've gone before us those who've run the race those who have finished the fight finished the race we are to lay aside every weight and sin that so easily that so which clings so closely to us the the picture here that the author of hebrews is using is that of an athlete as, or as, as a runner the apostle paul uses this analogy um, of a runner as well and athletes when they are training for a race they have to shed weight okay so they have to shed body fat if they're going to run well and race well and finish well but also they they strip down to bare minimum okay so so they remove any hindrances that would slow them down long shaggy you need clothing, uh, they, they strip down and they, they run the race. They lay aside every weight and every sin that so closely, clings so closely to them. Now, this is important to note because the, the, the author makes, seems to distinguish between weights and sins. So, so both are hindrances. Both can be hindrances to us in running the race that is set before us. Weights ne- aren't necessarily sins. Right. They can be even good things that we have in our lives that we give too much of our time and attention to. For many people, weights may be their hobby, a a weight, something that hinders them. Maybe it's too much screen time or too much time on the golf course or too much time um, doing some some hobby. That's not necessarily a bad thing in and of itself. But if, it, if, we, if one becomes consumed with that thing, it may hinder them and slow them down. And so there's also sins that ensnare us. There's sins that trip us up, that, that, that hinder us from, from running the race that is set before us. So there's these weights and these sins, and we are to lay them aside. Um, William Lane, a theologian, uh, and he has a commentary on the book of Hebrews, Referring to these weights here says this it says this might have reference to the love of wealth Okay, your stuff might be a weight attachment to the world Preoccupation with earthly interest or self-importance Okay, so these are things that slow a believer down and weigh and hinder a believer from running the race 
that is set before him. So the author, the thrust of this, this exhortation is run the race. And along with running the race, we have to lay aside every sin and every weight that so easily ensnares us. And we have to run the race with endurance. Okay, We lay aside every sin and every weight that so easily ensnares us, and we run the race that is set before us with endurance. Um, let, me, let me just say briefly here about this, this idea of um, weights and, and worldly interests kind of as, as something that can, can, can distract our focus. I heard a story. Um, I heard a, a doctor who shared at a workshop a couple months ago. And he was describing, he was doing a workshop, him and a, he was on a panel, and they were talking about spending extended time with God. They were talking about their time with God. And, uh, and he started to share a, a little testimony of something that God worked, used in his life um, of, of he, he had a nice home in, in California, and he spends a lot of time, he was describing how much time he would spend on his yard. He would fix the yard up uh, and invest in the yard. And, and then one day, a couple years ago, um, the fires that came through in California destroyed his, his house. And he was just in tears describing this exper- experience. And, and what, I, what I heard and what I saw in, in this, this doctor who loved the Lord and was walking with Jesus was he... He was reminded of the eternal perspective that he was to live with and not be weighed down or focused, over-focused on earthly things that may distract him from seeking the Lord and seeking first God's kingdom. And God used that in his life to remind him of what's most important. And God often uses difficult things that we go through in this life to remind us of what matters most. And we'll, Lord willing, dig into that a little bit more next week as we talk about God's fatherly discipline and how he uses painful things in our lives to produce the fruit of holiness and godliness. And so we are to lay aside, if we're going to run this race well, we must lay aside every weight and every sin that so easily ensnares us. And by the way, that, that's what I'd like to have a discussion around um, at the end of the service on our Facebook thread, is what are the weights and the sins that ensnare you? What, what's hindering you in, in this race? Of, of, the, of the, the marathon of the Christian life and what's helping you and strengthening you and empowering you uh, to run the race well. Uh, the next little section here, it says, let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. The Christian life is more like a marathon than it is like a sprint. Okay? The Christian life requires endurance. It's obedience, long obedience in the same direction as Eugene Peterson calls it, right? And so we're on this journey and we've set our hearts and our minds. God has changed the, the trajectory of our lives and we are following after him. And there are many hardships to endure, many trials to endure. Eugene Peterson says this in his book, uh, Long Obedience in the Same Direction. uh, The the real test of life is the steady, normal progress of the soul. Okay? Um, 
I, I love to run. I enjoy running. I've developed a love and enjoyment for running, jogging. Um, just this week, my, my brother-in-law and I ran around White Rock Lake. It was his first time to run that, that nine miles, about a little over nine miles around White Rock Lake. And I was kind of preaching my sermon to him as we were running around the lake. Um, when I run, I'm often reminded of the uh, descriptions of the Christian life that the Apostle Paul gave in this Hebrews 12 passage. And, and oftentimes when I'm running, I feel like stopping. I feel like stopping sooner than what I planned. And, and I have to press through, even though I don't feel like continuing to run and press through, I have a certain amount of time that I usually like to run, usually about 30 minutes. I like to get my blood pumping, my, my heart pumping, uh, my, my lungs breathing good. I want to sweat out the, the junk, uh, you know, the toxins, right? And, and I, and I want to I wanna experience that runner's high. I want to I put my body in uh, check and, and not let it dominate me. Uh, and so anyways, I love, I love to run, and I'm reminded of um, the, the, the endurance that is needed in the Christian life when I do. When I'm running up a hill or when I feel like quitting, I'm, reminding, I'm reminded of how God calls his people to endure, to run the race with endurance, even when you don't feel like it. Don't give up. Don't quit. And the key here that the author gives us, the key is to look to Jesus, verse the, the second part of two, looking to Jesus, the, the founder and the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross. And so we run with our eyes on Jesus, who ran his race well, who ran his race perfectly, who's the founder of our faith, He's the perfecter of our faith. The author of Hebrews likes to use the word perfection, um, perfected, perfect, perfection. Jesus is the perfect sac- became the perfect sacrifice for us, the perfect high priest for us, the perfect example for how you and I are to live our lives. And the author points us, the author of Hebrews points us to put our focus on Jesus to endure well, to endure like Jesus endured. And we can endure in this Christian life, in the race that he's called us to, because he works in us to will and to do his good pleasure. Notice that this life of faith and this marathon race that God calls us to is not a life of passivity. It's a life of intentionality. It's a life of, as Jesus described it, denying ourselves, taking up our cross, and following him. This is the Christian life. And though it's full of hardships, though it's full of struggles, though it is full of difficult things that come our way, it's not a joyless path. It's not a joyless journey. Jesus endured the cross for the joy that was set before him. Amen? And so we are to look to Jesus. The author of Hebrews in chapter 3 has already told us to do this. And throughout the book of Hebrews, 
He's pointing us to Jesus. Jesus is better. Jesus is greater. Jesus is superior. And so we look to him as the founder of our faith, the object of our faith, the one in whom our faith depends upon, the one who sustains and strengthens our faith, the one who's mapped the course for us. He's made a way for us, the forerunner who has gone before us. We run looking to him. One of the things that I do when I'm, when I'm running, and I'm running a longer uh, period of time, is I have to mentally focus on finishing. The other day when I was running around White Rock, one of the things that helped me was to focus on getting back to my car where I had my bottle of water. Because I knew once I got back to my car, I was going to get that water, right? And so I was focused on that one thing. I'm going to press through. I don't want to walk because I want to get back to that bottle of water as soon as I can. And Jesus, he endured the cross for the joy that was set before him. And I'll talk briefly here in, in a few minutes on, on what, that, what that joy is. It has many levels. Um, one of the things uh, John Piper says here um, in regards to fixing our eyes on Jesus or considering Jesus, he says, if your mind is like a compass moving through a world of magnets, making it spin this way and that, make Jesus the north pole of your mental life and your mind comes back to that, that your mind comes back to again and again. Make Jesus the north pole of your mental focus that your mind comes back to again and again. All right? And so this is the key to running the Christian life well, to living the Christian life well. It's fixing our eyes on Jesus. And one of the things that's beautiful about the gospel and Christianity is that though we fall and though we fail, Christ has finished the race perfectly on our behalf. And our righteousness is based on his merits, not ours. And so we run the race having already become a part of the winning team. The champion Jesus has gone before us. He's brought us as sons and daughters into the family already. And we will finish, saints. We will finish the race Genuine biblical faith is persevering faith, faith that endures to the end, faith that has action, faith that, 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 that is active. Okay? I'm reminded of Peter. When Peter stepped out of the boat, uh, you know, the Lord said, you know, he, Peter sees Jesus walking on water, Matthew 14, and he says, Lord, if that's you, let me come to you, right? And so Jesus says, come. So he had a word from Jesus, he stepped out in faith, and then Peter got his eyes off of Jesus and he started to look at the winds and the waves, and what happened? He began to sink. And isn't that what happens to you and I? When we get our eyes off of Jesus, we begin to sink in discouragement and doubt, and, and we begin to... to, to to, to just lose our momentum in the Christian life when we get our eyes on Jesus. But the good news is, is that we, we have Jesus with us, strengthening, strengthening us, empowering us. He's working in us 
to will and to do his good pleasure. You know, the Christian life does require effort. Okay, now, I know a lot of people struggle with this. Okay, especially those who have have they've, they've come out of legalism and they don't want anything to do with legalism, uh, and, and and maybe they go all the way to the other side of the uh, and, and they deny the, the the reality that there is effort involved in the Christian life. Okay, now I, even though the Christian life is about us living by faith. And leaning in to the grace of God, not running in our own strength, um, it does involve intentionality and it does involve effort. Grace empowered effort. Now, let me just read to you Colossians one twenty nine that that refers to this idea here. In Colossians one twenty nine, the Apostle Paul said, he said for this verse twenty eight. He says, "Him we proclaim." Warning everyone, teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. Here's Paul describing his ministry, him running the race that's set before him, marked out before him. And he says, for this I toil, struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works in me. Notice here, Paul says he toiled, struggling But he was doing so with all the energy that he powerfully works within me. If you try to run with endurance in your own strength, you will wear yourself out. Okay? But you and I get the privilege of coming before, as it it says in Hebrews 4, coming before the throne of grace to find mercy and grace to help us. In our time of need, we can find the mercy and the grace and the strength that we need to press in on this Christian race. Amen. Um, so we look to Jesus, the author and the finisher of, of our faith. We set our eyes on him. Okay. And he, for the joy set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. There's a little book here, um, one of my favorites by John Piper. It's called 50 Reasons Why Jesus uh, Came to Die. And in chapter 48, on page 114, he describes one of those 50 reasons that Jesus came to die from Hebrews 12 to. And it's to gain his joy and ours. And Piper writes these words. He says, the joy set before him had many levels it was the joy of reunion with his father in your presence there is fullness of joy and at your right hand are pleasures forevermore it was the joy of triumph over sin after making a purification of sins he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high hebrews 1 3 it was the joy of divine rights restored he is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. It was the joy of being surrounded with praise by all the people for whom he died. Luke fifteen seven. There will be joy in heaven over one sinner who repents, not to mention millions. In the same way, he goes on, in the same way the hope of joy enabled Christ, the, in the same way the hope... That hope of joy enabled Christ to endure the cross, 
our hope of joy empowers us to suffer with him. Jesus prepared us for this very thing when he said, Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for great is your reward in heaven. Our reward will be to enjoy God with the very joy that the Son of God has in his Father. Amen? And so, though the Christian life involves endurance and challenges and difficulty, there is joy set before us and there is joy present in us and among us. And the joy of the Lord is our strength. Amen? And so we run with our eyes fixed on Jesus, looking to him who's the author and the finisher of our faith, looking to him who exemplified what it looks like to obey the Father perfectly. Let me finish with um, sharing with you some of the ways that Jesus is better. We've called this series, Jesus is Better. Okay, And, and though the author of Hebrews highlights some Old Testament saints that ran well or that, that finished their race of faith, Jesus is the main point of the book. The, Jesus is the main point of the Bible, right? And Tim Keller uh, highlights how Jesus is better than several of these folks that were mentioned in Hebrews. He says, Jesus is the true and better Adam who passed the test in the garden whose obedience is imputed to us. Jesus is the true and better Abel, who though innocently slain, has blood that now cries out, not for our condemnation, but for our acquittal. Jesus is the true and better Abraham, who answered the call of God to leave all the comfortable and familiar, and to go out into the void of not knowing whether he will, where he would go, where he went to create a new people of God. Jesus is the true and better Isaac, who, who was not just offered up by his father on the mount, but was truly sacrificed for us. Jesus is the true Jacob, who wrestled and took the blow of justice we deserved. So we, like Jacob, only received the wounds of grace to wake us up and discipline us. Jesus is the true and better Joseph, who at the right hand of the king forgives those who betrayed and sold him and uses his new power to save them. Jesus is the true and better Moses, who stands in the gap between the people and, and the Lord, who mediates a new covenant. Jesus is the true and better rock of Moses, who struck with the rod of God's justice, now gives us water in the desert. Jesus is the true and better Job, the truly innocent sufferer, who then intercedes for us and saves foolish friends. Jesus is the true and better David, whose victory becomes his people's victory, though he never lifted a stone to accomplish it, though they, they never lifted a stone to accomplish it themselves. Jesus is the true and better Esther, who didn't just risk leaving an earthly palace, but lost the ultimate and heavenly one 
who didn't just risk his life, but gave his life to save his people. Jesus is the true and better Jonah who was cast out into the storm so that we could be brought in. Jesus is the real rock of Moses, the real Passover lamb, innocent, perfect, helpless, slain, so the angel of death will pass over us. He is the true temple, the true prophet, the true priest, the true king, the true sacrifice, the true lamb, the true light, the true bread. The Bible is about Jesus. Amen? Jesus is better. And so that's what we have been talking about. That's what we have been looking at in the book of Hebrews. Jesus is better. And so let us fix our eyes on him. Let us, let us lay aside the sin and the weight that, that slows us down and that also that keeps us from seeing clearly the race that is set before us. And let us lay aside those things. Let us run with endurance. Let us keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. So in practical application here, I want to encourage you to schedule and spend a day or at least a half a day with the Lord, okay? With a, with a, with a Bible, a notepad, I want to encourage you to get away, disconnect from your cell phone, and just spend time praying, reading the Word, meditating, communing with God, fixing your eyes on Jesus. This is something that the Lord has um, allowed me to do uh, several times a year, um, and really, I mean, every day, um, I've, I'm committed to spending time in His Word and in prayer and seeking His face. Uh, but there are times uh, that I have set aside where I spend large chunks of time considering Jesus, looking to Jesus. And it is one of the, the, the favorite things I, I get to do, uh, one of the most rewarding things that I get to do, and I want to encourage you to do that. This is actually one of the assignments uh, for those of us who are doing the 2-7 series right now. This is one of the assignments in book two, is to spend a half a day with the Lord. And I just really just, I, it's, it's amazing. If you can do it, if you can get away, uh, husbands, uh, you may need to watch the kids for your wives for this to happen, or, or vice versa, wives. Uh, there may need to be some planning and discussion about how to make that happen, especially those of us who have young ones. Um, but I want to encourage you to get away to spend some time uh, in prayer, reading his word, and planning your run. Spend some time thinking about what has been hindering you in the race of the Christian life. What's been a hindrance for you? What's been a weight? What's been a sin that's been slowing you down? And, and, and map out the run. Think about the run. Oftentimes, runners who run long distance, they map out their runs. They think about, they plan what time they're going to run, where they're going to run. Uh, they think about their diet. There's so many details that are involved in, in running a race and preparing for a race. And Christian, you are in the race. When you became a Christian, when you got saved, you entered into the marathon into the race and you will finish um let me close in sharing with you um, a spoiler alert from the book or from the movie overcomer if you haven't seen it i highly encourage 
you to check out that movie, Overcomer. It's a great movie about a, a young lady who uh, was a, has had a broken family, and this is a picture of her. And she was estranged from her father. Her father was a, um, uh, a, a he he was a successful uh, cr- cross country runner, and. At, at one point, she got reunited to her father, and she had begun doing cross-country running. And the coach was able to play the middleman and make the connection of reconciliation between this young lady and her father. And her father was sick in the hospital, and, um, and her father couldn't make it to, to the race because he was sick in the hospital. So the coach got this idea that he would plan out the race, that he would measure it, that he, 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 knew, he knew where the race was. He, he knew the, the track, and he, he, he went through with the golf cart, and he planned it out, and he had her father record coaching um, encouragements for her to listen to uh, as she was running. So, so he, the, the coach mapped out and timed where she would be at on the run and her father uh spoke words of encouragement and even told her uh through a pre-recording of of her running before while she was running um uh told her what to do and how to respond and i thought what when i watched that movie it was so moving and it reminded me of how god coaches us how god instructs us how god is with us how god encourages us us as we're running we we hear his voice and he is intimately involved in our lives right and so we run we run with our eyes fixed on jesus and we listen to the voice of god amen and so with that said let me pray and then we'll have some discussion father we look to you and your son And we recognize our need for your help, your grace, your power. And we recognize our need to be doers of your word, to take action, to be intentional, to lay aside every weight, every hindrance and sin, and run the race set before us. And so give us the grace that we need. We pray that you would Search us and reveal any hindrances, any hurtful ways in us and lead us in the way everlasting. We ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen.